0: Capital Market
1: Insights from ICMA. I'm Andy Hill, Head of Secondary Markets at the International Capital Market Association. I'm very pleased to be joined today by Ramon Vallier, Head of Fixed Income from Flow Traders. And we're going to talk about the new report by Flow Traders Beyond the Inflection Point The Future of Credit Trading. Ramon, welcome. I wonder if we could start by just asking you to introduce yourself and also say a few words about Flow Traders.
0: Well, thank you very much, Andy. Uh, so uh, first of all, I really want to thank you for, uh, for having me uh, today. Um, so basically, Flow Traders is a leading uh, global liquidity provider across multiple asset classes. Uh, with, uh, we trade with over 2,000 uh, counterparties. We operate globally in Europe, US, and APEC and we are a company that uh, is publicly listed on the Amsterdam Stock Exchange and has uh, over 600 employees. I head up the uh, fixed income uh, division at Flow Traders. Uh, I joined three years ago, and uh, in those three years, we we built a uh, bond market-making business, uh, most notably focused on on credit trading.
1: Now, the report um, is certainly eye-catching. I I found it fascinating. what was the motivation for the report and, and, and maybe for, for our listeners if you could if you could summarize some of the main findings? Yeah, um,
0: well, I'm glad, glad you, uh, you liked it and um, uh, so basically um, I think the, the idea was that uh, we, we see that the bond market continues to evolve and we see some very clear trends. We wanted to give also a perspective from a kind of non-traditional market maker or kind of alternative, a market maker and really help with uh, the debate that is uh, that is going on currently uh, in the market. And, and lastly, uh, we also published this results um, around our Q3 results where we publicly announced that we are a bond market maker focused on credit trading. So if you, if you go into some of the key findings of the report, um, as you mentioned, uh, well, credit markets are kind of approaching the inflection point of electronification. In our view, so you have basically, especially focused on European investment grade. we have now roughly 50% of the volumes are being um, executed electronically and 75% on a ticket count basis. This has only accelerated in our view because of COVID-19 um, and, and uh, basically the survey that we did amongst the hundreds. Uh, buy-side traders um, basically showed that 64% of the respondents actually increased the amount of RFQs they, uh, they traded. And I think we've seen in other asset class as well that once, um, I guess, um, you kind of reach a certain inflection point, new innovations start to happen. And this is driven by regulation. It can be driven by better data. Uh, it can be driven by loads of factors and and because of that new things are possible so you have players like ourselves entering um also these asset classes and and we quote for example firm which allows new entrants to also on the buy side to execute new strategies so this is one important finding then the other one is algorithmic trading in bonds is gaining traction definitely you see a lot more algos or, or a better word is probably more automated market making players in especially in European investment grade, they've been entering, uh, I guess, this this arena over the last six to twelve months. And we also see that the buy side uh, actually sees uh, major benefits, of uh, especially in odd but also in uh, kind of getting information around larger blocks. And it actually also helps with relationship with dealers to execute the transactions they would like to like to do. So that this is uh, point number two. And then, I guess, another trading protocol that we kind of highlight. This portfolio trading which we we'll talk about a bit later but this has seen significant growth most notably in the european markets and given uh, the fact that well one of the hatches of portfolio tradings are etf so etf market makers are kind of bridging the liquidity between the etf ecosystem and i guess the bond market you could potentially say and i guess there well we see significant growth we're we are very active there as well and then in general new trading protocols are on the rise, and so firm markets, requests for quotes, um, also uh, central limit order books are um, um, are being pioneered as well. So there's a real, real interesting time in our view for, for markets, and uh, this is all, um, it's all changing very rapidly. So th- I would say those are the key things I would like to highlight, uh, key findings that uh, uh, were in our report
1: definitely like to, to, to explore some of those those findings a little more. One of the things that you touched on as well is the impact of COVID. Uh, what do you think is the legacy of COVID um, and, and what happened in March, April 2020 in terms of corporate bond market structure?
0: Yeah, we think that um, this that electronic trading has accelerated because of uh, because of COVID. Uh, that I think this is a really important point. Given if you would look ten or even twenty years ago, when I started, um, if you would have had COVID by then, I guess it would have been really problematic. So now, obviously, I guess a lot of people sitting at home from the buy and the sell side, I think having a good kind of electronic trading infrastructure has only uh, made this even more important. So I think I think this is a really uh, Really important uh, fact. Um, I think also the other the other thing we've seen, and also regulators as, and like IOSCO has been doing a lot of research about, I guess the connection between the ETF market and the bond market as well. And I think that also um, we saw a really important uh, fact that I guess we saw that bond markets are like ETF markets were leading very often bond markets, as bond prices were very stale in especially in 2020. So the the ETF ecosystem has really proven there to be a driver of bond prices as well, which I think is, a, is also an important uh, legacy of, uh, of of March 2020. Yeah, so more. Yeah, so those are the main things I would like to highlight.
1: Just returning to, to protocols, um, targeted RFQs have always dominated the the corporate bond markets as the primary protocol. Whether that's whether that's on a telephone, on a message, or through a trading venue. What are you seeing in terms of the evolution of new trading protocols, and, and one of the things I think is also really interesting is the the relative importance of of dealer access and and, and how this plays an increasing role in liquidity provision.
0: Yeah, um, really interesting question. So I guess so. We've seen also with kind of new algorithms and different type of players that uh, new trading protocols like, for example, firm prices are now also active in uh, in european credit this is obviously very important because well this gives you really important pre-trade information because well you you see the price on the screen that is really where you can trade is very different than obviously having indicative prices and then if you um if you want to execute a transaction well you need to rfq and then you get the firm price and then you can execute so this is this makes new ways of trading important also I think the very important point in, in bond markets is obviously that uh, the information asymmetry, you could potentially say, is an important fact. People don't want to show their hand to everybody uh, because it could potentially have an impact. So, obviously, if you have firm prices, you don't need to show your hands. You just have a target in mind, and if you want to execute, you execute. So this is an important one. And then related to that, new trading protocols for example in emerging market trading are requests for markets this is also important because people then don't want to show their hand these are all things that we already know from the etf ecosystem we already quote firm we quote on uh, exchanges all the time requests for markets in large sizes obviously not new for us so these are also things that we want to bring uh, to the bond market if that uh, helps investors and then the other parts where you start to see already the development and you could say if you quote firm and many people quote firm, well, this is the start of central limit order books in credit. Um, and this is something that obviously we are very used to being an ETF market maker and being quoting on exchanges, which are obviously central limit order books. Um, there, This is something that we would well, love to see develop also in European credit, which we are pretty um, um well, pretty uh, certain it will, at least for a subset of, uh, of the universe. And then with respect to access well, this, this continues to be very important. Um, also, obviously, if you quote firm, yeah, then you, you don't need, from that perspective, an X, because, well, you quote for that, you could say that is an X for uh, the size that you quote. But this, this, again, is important for investors to determine who has potentially the best price. But uh, if markets move towards central limit order books, It becomes, in a way, more exchange-like. And then, I guess, the importance of this will diminish. Having said that, it still continues to be very important, I guess, uh, for the larger sizes.
1: One of the protocols that you mentioned earlier, and it's something that we're hearing a lot more about, and it features quite prominently in your report, that's portfolio trading. Could you explain a little bit about the the evolution of this protocol? And also, is there a risk that, that... this is potentially creating greater dealer concentration?
0: Yeah, so uh, yeah, this is a very fascinating uh, new protocol. Um, So uh, in the US market is already, let's say in 2019, uh, of the total, let's say average daily volume, this was already around 2%. um, And this has grown, I guess, over the last years to 6%. In the European market, it was basically at 0% a couple of years ago, and it has also grown to 6% of the total market. So this means that now, uh, in certain months, 15 to 20 billion in European credit are being executed in portfolios. In the US market, their volumes are three times larger. Uh, so we talk about more like 60 billion a month. Um uh, and the, but there still is a the similar percentage of the total market. So the underlying volumes are also three times larger in the US market. Um, I guess this protocol is being used predominantly uh, in 85% of the cases for your, for investment grade credit. Then you also see it in EM and high yield and kind of more mixed portfolios being used, especially EM and high yield being the fastest growing asset um, classes. And really it's an evolution from well single line RFQs than list trading to doing this whole portfolios and, and clearly advantages like cost savings. And so you can also move illiquid bonds easier as part of a total portfolio than uh, as a single line item. It is obviously very fast and it's very transparent and it saves you costs. So in terms of, so these things are really, um, I guess, advantages that um, that appeal to, uh, to investors. Then I guess, Another part which is a big driver of this is obviously the ETF ecosystem because I guess uh, the perfect hedge you could say for a portfolio of bonds could be an ETF and there's a lot of liquidity in the ETF ecosystem being provided by people like ourselves and other ETF market makers and so we trade the fixed income ETFs OTC but also on exchange and that liquidity is being bridged towards the bond market via for example uh, mechanisms like portfolio trading yeah so this is this is and this continues to be so this is growing so you have now all or nothing type of uh, protocols Uh, and sometimes you can substitute bonds as well but very often it's all or nothing the sizes are growing uh, every day and um, you also see mixed portfolios between rates and credit being executed so this is really it really fits the needs of a lot of investors that really want to quickly move risk around I would say Another question you have around, uh, let's say that the risk is that there's greater dealer concentration. I'm not entirely sure whether that's the case. Actually, there's uh, all the major dealers are involved, just like the normal bond dealers. As a matter of fact, you have players like ourselves and other ETF market makers that are also very active in this space. So it really is just another way of kind of moving the risk around in the system and bridging liquidity between the different different places of liquidity so i don't see this concentration at all i see more i think it's extra liquidity that's being added to the system and by actually quite a large amount of players
1: it certainly seems to be a protocol that, that's gaining traction and, and and as you say it's, it's also seems to be a, a, a good vehicle for for bringing liquidity to to bonds that might uh, might might otherwise struggle Looking forward, we've we've obviously missed um, missed an asteroid hit with the um, the delay of, of CSDR monetary buy-ins. Uh, it's a, ca- a case of don't look up. That's the good news. But I guess the next big seismic development, certainly for European bond markets, is the introduction of the consolidated tape. Something that uh, we at ICMA have been have been very engaged in and and, and continue to be obviously the increased transparency that that this will bring how do you see this impacting credit market structure and and particularly with respect to automation and and some of the alternative trading protocols that that you've highlighted
0: well i think this is a a major uh step in my view so i was really pleased to read the uh i guess precision paper uh, that you guys published in december 2021 um and I think I think this is uh, this is really going into the right direction for the European market. Obviously, we already had trace in the US and I think it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of academic uh, papers and I think it's very well documented uh, that uh, trace has really helped investors and there are kind of numbers floating around that it saved investors over a billion dollars in the academic world. So um, in, initially, I guess there was a lot of resistance and especially around, all the um, all the things that you also speak about in your paper, in terms of like sizes and certain delays and differences between asset classes. But I think once this kind of was ironed out, and I think the U.S. market is a really good uh, example to look at. I think it has the uh, major advantages, and I guess it's not only I guess transparency for the buy side, but it also allows allows uh, I guess new players to be active in the market as well. So if there's more I guess, pre and post-trade information available in bond markets, then I guess it, it allows new players like ourselves also to be more active in the market and provide more liquidity as well. So I think, I think it has major, major advantages. And I guess the old, well, the MIFID II transparency regime, although it was very well-intentioned, I think it has led to, well, as, as you also say, uh, overly complicated framework has kind of fallen short of the goal i think there's a real exciting development to uh, to change this and and make i guess bond markets more transparent and more efficient and more cost efficient so yeah, we are i think this is one of the larger developments in our view that's that is going to take place hopefully soon
1: as you say hopefully this is um this, this is potentially a, a good opportunity for for the eu bond markets and, and one we that um w- we certainly hope they they take and um and clearly um as you touch on calibration is key and we, we can only hope that um that uh, with continued dialogue with with the industry we um we, we all get this right uh, talking of regulators we we get the sense that many would love to see bond markets look a lot more like equity markets, with little or even no dealer intermediation, and with most trading taking place on on central limit order books. Something you, you you've touched on already. Do you see this happening any time in the foreseeable future? Do you think we have, do you, do you think we have the protocols or the or the structural evol- evolution to to get to that um, that promised land?
0: Yeah, well, that's a, that's, a, that's a great question. So, well, I think I think we should not be naive in a way that I guess there's a there's a, are big differences between the bond markets and the active markets. Eh? Just to highlight a few, well, if you look at like there are just so many more bonds than there are in stocks in the I guess in the euro stock 50. Well, there are 50 stocks, but I guess the bonds that are had been issued by uh, I guess those issuers is over 9,000 or over 10,000. So there's a there's a big difference in terms of the amount of securities that the bonds clearly trade a loss less often. Uh, so you in the European investment grade market, I think there are uh, not many bonds that trade every day. Um but, uh, I, I guess the most traded bonds definitely trade 20-30 times a day, but they don't they are not always trade every day. And the US market's not so different. And if and when they trade, I guess they trade in large size. So I guess that's the backdrop uh, of what it is. But I guess if you're going to have more transparency with respect to data, I think that's that's going to help massively. Secondly, this is a general overview that I just uh, made over the bond market, but I think there is actually a subset of uh, let's say if you look at European investment grade credit, credit, let's say there are around five to six thousand bonds, isins that trade um, let's say on the electronic platforms, and if you then zoom into that, that's, let's say Three and a half thousand that are part of, let's say, indices that uh, are widely followed by investors. And if you then zoom into like another subset of that, which is, well, let's say uh, the top 500 most liquid ones. And if you zoom into there, I guess into an even smaller subset there, you have different dynamics. Those bonds definitely trade more often. They're a big kind of benchmark bonds, the large amounts outstanding. They are traded by many different participants, uh, whether it's ETF, uh, market makers, um, but also, I guess, normal uh, bond market makers. So I I think there, the dynamics are very different. And I think there, it's not um, impossible that things will change um, soon. I think that's where you already see, I guess, people like ourselves and others starting to quote firm in those very liquid subsets. And well, that that is the start of, uh, I guess, central limit order books. And hopefully... With more transparency as well, I think it could be possible as well that uh, I guess you have retail participation as well who could trade like they do in the, in, the, in the US on central limit order books as well. And and that's all driven by transparency and I guess efficient ways of, of trading. So yeah, regulators can play a an, an very important role. And I think it's, it is very much linked, not only linked, uh, it's not the only factor, but it's very much linked to uh, transparency with respect to data, and uh, I guess a more efficient uh, markets from that perspective. So I, I think uh, it's something that's definitely will happen in the foreseeable future.
1: I would agree. I think more more liquid, more efficient corporate bond markets in Europe is is something that uh, we would all welcome. Uh, Ramon, um, thank you for for joining today, um, for providing insights. Um, the, the report Beyond the Inflection Point: The Future of Credit Trading is extremely interesting. I, I would certainly recommend that um, our listeners take, take a look if they have not done so already. And, um, and thank you again for, uh, for joining today.
0: Well, thank you very much for having me. It's, uh, it was an honour.
1: Thank you for listening. For more ICMA podcasts and further information on capital markets, please visit our website, icmagroup.org.